Hi and welcome to the podium, the place where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. My name's Jason Skiles and we've got a huge edition of our show to bring you. Uh, we're going to be joined with some very special guests uh, to talk about everything that's going on in the world of motorsport. One of our guests today, he's a three-time Bathurst winner. He has also won the Supercars Championship and he's going to be a big part of the Pertec Enduro Cup this season for Red Bull Racing. It is, of course, Garth Tander. And Garth Tander joins us on the podium to talk about the new supercar calendar and uh, what the new Pertec Enduro Cup could look like because there's been talk that it could be just a Bathurst race that's included in the Enduro Cup. So we're going to talk about that with him. Uh, we're also going to talk about the TV deal and some of the things he's been doing in the virtual world. Uh, he's been doing some commentary and he's also been competing as well in a few of the different championships. So Garth Tander is going to join us to talk about all those things and in addition to that we've also got another very special guest joining us and this is a driver that is going to be competing this season in the FIA Formula 3 Championship. He's a Red Bull Racing Junior Development driver and he comes from one of the biggest motorsport families. It is Jack Doohan and Jack Doohan's going to be joining us on the podium to talk about what it has been like growing up in a motorsport family and the decision to pursue car racing uh, as a career and, and all the success he's had so far. He's been working his way up through the junior categories in a number of different championships and this season is going to be a huge season for him in the Formula 3 championship. So Jack Doohan joins us on the podium. So it's a huge edition of the show. Right after this, Garth Tander joins us on the podium. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport and we're joined now with one of the true greats of Australian motorsport. This guy has won the Bathurst 1000 three times. He is, of course, the 2007 Supercar Champion. It is Garth Tander. Garth, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to have you on, Garth. And 2020, it's been a very different year for a lot of people, for everyone really, not just the motorsport community. Talk about how... Everything that's gone on has affected you. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, 2020, I think when everyone was sitting down in December 2019 and January 2020 planning out their year and what it's going to look like, no one could foresee what it actually would play out like. Um, certainly, it'll be a year that we all look back and remember for obvious reasons. So, um, from a motorsport perspective and for me personally, since the... Um, AGP weekend where I was here racing in the CPR category. Since that point on Friday morning about 9.30, there hasn't been much going on because obviously um, the world as we know it was shut down um, internationally from a motorsport point of view, but also here in Australia. And um, As we sit here now in mid-late May, we're still you know, sort of starting to see motorsport starting to open up a little bit, but realistically it's going to be a very different look and feel um, of what it'll be like when we get going again so um, like most professional athletes if you like it's it's been keeping the training up uh, trying to keep mentally sane if you like because you don't have that sporting outlet and uh, and just sitting and waiting and being ready for when when we all get the green light to, to start doing something um, from a from a professional sport point of view well, yeah, it's still very early on. We've only just had the calendar just announced just recently. You know, there's still all this talk about what the Pertec Enduro Cup's going to look like. Of course, you're going to be partnering up again with Shane Van Gisbergen for the Enduro Cup. How are you going to prepare for this Pertec Enduro Cup if it's only going to be the one race? 
Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not so, I'm not sure. I mean, at the moment, I mean, we've heard Bathurst will definitely be the traditional Bathurst 1000 in the, in the October time slot. So there's a line in the sand to be ready for at least that. Um, and there hasn't been a lot of other talk about what other formats there will be. Um, I did read online that Sean Seymour, the, the CEO of Supercars, say that there will be an Enduro Cup of some description. So for me, that sort of means it'll be more than one event, but how many, whether that's just two, um, which I think is probably the most likely scenario, um, we'll have to wait and see. But if it did play out that it was just the Bathurst for one event and just the one straight up doing Bathurst, it's really no different to what happened last year for the Enduro Cup where the, the Bathurst 1000 was the first of the endurance. So that's no different in, in that regard if that's how it plays out. Um, but we'll just, you know, sit and wait for more information. But, um, you know, I'll get, you know, I'll get some laps in the car before we get to whenever we jump back in and go racing again from the enduro point of view. Um, so um, I guess I have a bit of um, experience on my side that I can call on with, you know, a, a more minimal preparation that it looks like. I mean, we're certainly not going to have the same level of preparation that we've had in previous years because there's just not going to be the opportunity to get the cars on track to do test days. Even like, you know, we used to use ride days a lot for going, you know, taking sponsors for rides and things like that. You know, the co-drivers used to do the bulk of the laps getting ready for the Enduro Cup by taking all the sponsors for rides on those corporate ride days that all the teams do throughout the year. And realistically, I can't see any of those days taking place because we just can't assemble mass amounts of people in the one area at this point. So preparation is going to look a bit different. I feel a bit different, but as I said, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've got a fair bit of experience on my side that I can call on and sort of jump in the car at short notice and be pretty close to the money. In your opinion, what do you think this means more broadly for motorsport going forward? You know, unfortunately, we saw the news earlier on with our 23 Red having to shut its doors and Will Davison at the moment being out of a seat, unfortunately, which isn't good, you know, for any motorsport fan to see that happen. What do you think it's going to mean for motorsport more broadly going forward? Oh, look, I think in any business, um, whether it be business, whether it be, you know, the business of sport, whether it be the motorsport, I think we'll see a lot of optimising of, of these businesses. I think people will have to downsize, downsize a bit. Um, obviously, there's been a lot of downsizing through this COVID-19 period where teams have gone hibernation and staff have been basically working either working minimal hours from home or not working at all. Um, and then, like you said, to see um, the 23 Red operation shut down, which is the first of hopefully not too many um, operations, motorsport operations in Australia that, that, that shut down off the back of this um, situation that we find ourselves in uh, from an economy point of view. Um, yeah, look, I think I think there'll be a few more. I do, and not not necessarily supercars teams. I mean, there's you know you got to look wider than that. There's you know Carrera Cup teams, there's Australian GT teams, there's TCR teams, there's all sorts of you know other business motorsport businesses in Australia that uh, are suffering right at the minute. You know, not just supercar teams. They're the, they're the very public face of motorsport in Australia, but there's a lot more to it than that. So, unfortunately, I think there will be a few more. Um, but I think you'll also see those that survive and come out the other side will be a far more streamlined, optimised business as a result of necessity. I mean, um, all race teams at a professional level rely on a degree of commercial sponsorship. Those businesses are suffering. Those businesses that 
pay sponsorship dollars are suffering just as much as the race teams are and, and they'll want to look to spend less money and things like that. So I think the whole motorsport economy is going to shrink a little bit for a while. Um, and when we come out the other side, it potentially be a lot more streamlined and a lot more optimised. Um, that's sort of my thoughts. I, I hope that we don't see too many casualties along the way. What do you think about TV deals going forward as well? There's been a lot of talk about Channel 10 and what's going to happen with the free-to-air component of the TV deal. Do you have any opinion on what the sport should be doing on the TV side? Oh, look, the TV, the TV, obviously, it's a very precarious time for, for TV sporting rights. Um, not just supercars, but we're seeing it with a few other sporting codes as well that, you know, it's very precarious and... Um, that's a, that's obviously a lucrative part of, of any sporting business is the TV rights. So I don't really know how that's going to play out. I don't I don't follow it that closely um, to understand who, who, who the main players are. Um, you know, I mean, it, speaking purely as a race fan and a motorsport fan, I think it'd be fantastic to have the sport back on free to air TV live every event. Um, whether that's just, you know, one of the two days, I don't know. But, um, you know, whether there's any networks out there that are prepared to do that, I don't know either. So, you know, purely as a race fan, as a, as a, a fan of the sport, um, that would be a fantastic outcome to, to see um, not only the, the Fox deal uh, continue, because I think the Foxtel deal and the, and the Foxtel coverage and the Foxtel um, enthusiasm behind supercars has been amazing. Um the reality is that not every home has um, cable TV. Um, so for the sport to continue to grow, I think it needs to be have a, a bigger free-to-air um, presence um, than what we've had in the past. But saying that, someone's got to pay for all that. The numbers have got to add up. And, and that's what I say. I don't follow that side of things that closely. Yeah, well, if there has been an upside over this whole thing, it has been the E-Series competitions that have launched around the globe, and in particular Australia. Australia is... I'd say one of the leaders in terms of E-Series coverage, like the Supercars media team's done a fantastic job so far putting together their E-Series stuff. What has it been like for you? Uh, of course, just recently we saw you commentating the Supercars Celebrity Race, and besides that, you've been doing the ARG E-Series and also the Supercar one you were involved in as well. What has it been like for you watching this take off? Um, well, to your first point, that the level of coverage and the, the level of professionalism has done in conjunction with Foxtel has been world class. It's been, it's clearly, it's been the best in the world. The stuff that's been played, NASCAR have obviously had a pretty heavy E series uh, presence before they went racing again, and, and IndyCar have done something similar. But I think the Supercars product has been world class. And you only have to look at you know, a guy like Lando Norris who. You know, Formula One driver for McLaren, and he sort of did one as a wild card, had such a good time at every event since. It looks like he'll be here to stay now um, to do for the part of the E-Series racing. I think that's a very big endorsement. And um, it's actually hard work. I mean, I asked to be part of it for that one race that I did at Austin, and we ended up with 31 cars or something like that. It's actually hard work to get your name in because there's so many people keen to be part of it. So it's real. We're really fortunate here in Australia that. Supercars have, have produced that package and pr- produced that platform for to, to give us fans, if you like, and followers of Australian sport some, some live content because at the moment there hasn't been a lot of live sporting content going on. So 
motorsport's been very fortunate to be able to have that. Um, from a competing in a point of view, um, I haven't done a lot of simulator work prior to, to this COVID-19 period. And, um, whilst you sort of learn the tracks reasonably quickly and, you know, tracks that we don't race on here in Australia, some of the international tracks that we've raced on in the ARG series, you learn the tracks pretty quickly, but just the little iRacing techniques and little iRacing tricks that you need to learn um, to, to make the cars go fast on the track takes a lot of time to get your head around it. And I feel like sort of as we are now, sort of half, just over the halfway point of the E-Series, I'm starting to get my head around it a bit more and racing a bit closer to the front against all the sort of hidden areas, if you like. So um, I'm finding it really interesting, really, really challenging for me. Uh, from a competition point of view, and, and I think the important thing has been is being able to keep your sort of racing brain working. You know, you know, thinking about things from a driving perspective, how to get more lap time, how to find lap time, how to, you know, manage the race, how to, you know, race against other cars, even though it's on online and it's in eye racing and it's not real life, but you're still using all the same techniques and all the same strategies. So I think from uh, keeping your racing brain ticking over during this period where you're not driving real race cars, I think it's been real beneficial. Well, yeah, we've seen opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of how involved people have been with their setups. Uh, we've spoken to Shane Van Gisbergen, and he's someone that's really heavily invested in it. And we've also spoken to Jamie Winkup, who... He's still coming around when it comes to E-Series stuff. He doesn't really do that much during the course of his week. What are you doing? Are you doing a lot of it during your weeks at the moment or not so much? Um, yeah, look, I do a bit. I do generally, we race in the um, the ARG Car Sales Cup. We race on a Thursday night. Um, and I don't have a sim at home. I use um, the Melbourne Performance Centre simulator, which is only 10 minutes from my house. And it's the team I drive for in the TCR and the Australian GT Series. So... Um, I use their sim, so I go there on a Tuesday afternoon and do a couple of hours of practice and then go back on Thursday night and do the race. So um, I'm there sort of twice a week for that. And then when I did the supercars race for the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, I was there three or four nights practicing because the supercar is such a unique thing. It's like real life. Supercar in real life is such a unique car to drive and it's the same on iRacing. So... I spent a lot of time practicing for that too. So doing two series in, in, in the in the virtual world, we met on every night of the week at uh, MPC. So um, yeah, I'm dedicating a fair bit of time to it. Um, like you say, um, different people are sort of dedicating different amounts of energy to it. And I think we saw that in the supercars one. You know, Rick Kelly and, and Dave Reynolds probably sort of. You know, I think they were treating it seriously, but not super seriously at the start. And now you only have to look at the dedication that they've put into it since the Supercar Series has started, how much work they've put into it, you know, in the last four or five weeks to sort of, you know, be more and more competitive and more and more into it. You know, as race car drivers, that's what we're like. You just become competitive. doesn't matter what you're doing. You want to be the best at it. 2020 we mentioned it there it's already been a big year for motorsport and for everyone you know um you know you've been you've got the drive for with triple eight coming up later on in the season uh you're going to be doing some more tcrs as well uh you were very strong at melbourne heading into all this all the issues that happened with the corona crisis and are you going to be doing some more australian gt as well this season what what are the plans for the motorsport world for you this year Uh, i'm not really sure exactly what we'll have on the back of 
um, on the back of the re- resumption of motorsport for me. I mean, it's certainly like say the Triple Eight stuff and whatever endurance races end up happening, I'll be part of with, with Shane. Um, and then obviously the, uh, the TTR stuff and that will be part of that championship. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure. I mean, the plan was this year pre-coronavirus uh, that I'd be doing the, the V8 Enduros, be doing the Australian GT Championship and, and doing the TTR Championship. Um, so I'm not exactly sure whether the GT thing is going to happen again uh, on the back of all this, but I just sort of, sort of have to wait and see um, you know, what's happening um, once everything fires back up. But I can see myself certainly doing the V8 Enduros, certainly doing the TTR Championship um, at minimum. Um, and given that sort of into the back half of one year, that's going to be pretty busy as it is. Well, yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, and it's going to be quite a big year as well. You know, we had the big announcement. That's the thing that gets forgotten now is the big announcement from Holden as well this year that they're going to be ceasing production, cease to, exi- cease to exist mm. after this season. And you've been with Holden all throughout your entire supercar career, you know, and you have a chance to win at Bathurst again this year in a supercar, in a Holden what is it like for you, the emotion attached to that stuff and that big decision big decision from Holden? Oh, look, it's obviously incredibly disappointing and incredibly sad that such an iconic brand um, like Holden and Holden being so intrinsically into Australian motorsport will be no more as of 31 December this year. So that's, yeah, incredibly sad and, and like I said, go to Bathurst this year and, and to win um, this year in a Holden would be an incredibly satisfying end to that chapter of Australian motorsport and Holden's involvement in Australian motorsport. So uh, anyone driving a Holden this year will be, have that in the back of their mind at Bathurst wanting to do that and achieve that. So uh, if we could do that in the uh, factory-backed, a Red Bull Holden Racing Team car, that would be very, very cool. It would be a really cool thing to achieve. The last time we see a Holden V8 supercar, I think you'll find most of the Holden teams will continue to use Holden supercars next year, just that Holden won't exist as a brand. So, um, yeah, look, to get it done this year, I think, well, in Holden's last year of operations in Australia would be a very cool thing to have. Um, and to also say thank you to all the Holden employees, um, not only at Holden HQ, but all the dealerships around Australia and all the Holden fans. Um, I reckon they'd enjoy that a lot. Hopefully we do get some motorsport action taking place soon and plenty more success for you in supercar and all the other categories that you're competing in. Garth Tander, thank you so much for joining us on the podium. Cheers, mate. Thank you. There we are, Garth Tander joining us on the podium to talk about some of the big news coming from the motorsport world and how it's going to affect him and his enduro drive this season. If you do want to catch the extended interview at Garth Tander, you can head over to our podcasting platforms and you can catch it up on there. Right after this, so we're joined with an up-and-coming talent in the motorsport world. It is Jack Doohan, and he joins us next on The Podium. This is The Podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And our next guest, he's going to be competing in the FIA Formula 3 Championship this season. He's a Red Bull junior team driver. He, of course, comes from one of Australia's biggest motorsport families. It is, of course, Jack Doohan. Jack, thanks so much for joining us on the podium. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. 
Now, Jack, as I documented there, you, of course, have come from one of Australia's biggest motorsport families. What was it like for you as a kid growing up in that household? Yeah, obviously, as a young boy, um, it wasn't really enforced too much um, by dad or by mum of, you know, who dad really was. Um, the first, I'd say, um, five to ten years, um, you know, as a kid, I didn't really know, like, that he was obviously a five-time champion of the world MotoGP rider for me. He was just my um, any-day ordinary dad. To today, um, you know, he still is, obviously. Um, but as soon as I got into motorsport, um, you know, and people obviously even will go out or go to the track and started wanting to have photos with him. Um, I don't think, you know, it was at one point where dad just told me, yeah, like I'm a, like I'm a, I'm in motorsport. I'm a motor GP rider. Um, I think it all just came naturally and it was probably for the best because um, being, you know, involved in the sport without him um, enforcing it and pushing me was probably the best thing. Well, yeah, you got started at a very early age. Uh, As a kid, I think you were doing dirt bikes initially and you had a BMX crash, I think, your age five, was it, where you broke your leg? Uh, Talk about... Yeah, on a dirt bike. um, Yeah, so my first, yeah, encounters with motorsport, um, yeah, I was always into dirt bikes. It was two wheels um, since, yeah, from whenever I can remember. Um, And, yeah, it was my fifth birthday and I had a few buddies around and we were kind of doing a supermoto um you know play race um with a few of my mates around the go-kart track yeah um and there ended up being a little bit of a contact and i ended up coming off and yeah i broke my left leg so i think for me and for dad you know i don't think dad really wanted to go down that that path again um it's already me um, myself breaking um quite an amount of bones at such a young age um so i think you know the bike was put away um, and I didn't, at that age, you know, I didn't really, obviously when I'm five, you don't have to say to, let's go, um, I'm going to go down and just ride the motorbike. Obviously you need dad there, the supervision, and you kind of just go with, go with the family flow. So the bike just got put away. I didn't see it much. Um, I did BMX for a couple of years before then. One of my buddies who's now, um, in supercars, Zane Goddard, um, was yeah, driving around our track at home in one of the carts and, from a young age, I was always in the cart. Um, I was received my first cart by um, Michael Schumacher, I think when I was three years old on Christmas. Um, so that's quite cool. So yeah, I was always into, um, obviously, the carts as well, just at that age, not as much as a two. Um, but yeah, I guess I just wanted to obviously be doing what my buddies were doing. Um, so I thought I'd give it another crack. And yeah, it, just, it went from there. Well, yeah, you mentioned some of those supercar drivers as well. I think Will Brown's another one that you've been connected with. We had him on the show just recently, and he talked about heading up to see your family and uh, doing some stuff there with you guys. Now, you mentioned it there, yeah. though. You mentioned it there. You did get your very first go-kart. Talk about that story of getting your very first go-kart. Yeah, so um, I was Dad and Michael were quite close as they were. Um, you know, their apartments were um, door-to-door in Monaco, so they were training. Um, and luckily, they were in different, di- different disciplines as well. So I think it was a lot easier for them to have a, a close friendship um, and to train together as, you know, with how competitive everything is, you never really want to be... It's, like, you can have friends in motorsport, um, but I think it's very hard, you know, to really... Um, while you're at the track, you know, you're out there to do a job. So I think with them being on discipline, different disciplines they were able to you know find together um quite well which then um yeah his dad retired um and mike kept on going you know obviously they, they kept that friendship and 
I was lucky enough, I think it was 2000 and either Christmas 2006 or 2005, um, he got two Tony Carts for um, my sister and I for Christmas, which was, yeah, really quite cool. That is awesome. That is awesome. And you've mentioned some names there. Like, what championships were you watching as a little kid and, and which drivers do you follow? Um, my for, In Formula One, my, like, Outright idol has always been Michael Schumacher. And I think, you know, as a whole, um, you know, as a sports person, I've idled um, definitely, you know, my father and Michael. Um, obviously, I've, I've had a few favourites as the, the seasons went on in Formula One and, and various sports, but no one's ever been able to top um, Michael for me. He's always been a huge inspiration um, in my eyes and everything that he's done um, and the work ethic that he had is yeah something that I really want to work towards and hopefully can follow in his footsteps um, and so on with my dad, but on four wheels. Yeah, yeah. Great driver to look up to for all the achievements that he's had. Uh, let's talk about your career now. So 2011, I think it was when you first started racing karts and uh, you did the Victorian Cadet State Series in 2012 and you had a third place finish in the standings. What are your What are your memories of those early days? Um, those early days, I remember, yeah, the first year, um, when I was seven, I remember I wanted to, uh, I wanted to start racing, but dad had told me that they had changed the age group. So now you can only start when you're eight. Cause I think he knew that, you know, once I got into it, it was going to be full on. So I think he just wanted to give himself one year more of, <laughs> of a, a life without the motorsport before getting back into it. So. Yeah, the early years of my career, I'd say, um, you know, and heading back to, like you said, there, the Victorian State Championship in 2012. I didn't really, I was quite young. I didn't really have a, a full understanding of it all. So, um, you know, things like practice and qualifying, I would just try and race the other competitors and not really, um, you know, get a lap time. I just wanted to be at the front. And that was something that obviously came with um, more experience and age, but was probably some of my downfalls in, in the early years. And, um, in the early races. But yeah, that race ended up, I think that was my first kind of big out-of-state race. Um, and I ended up, yeah, coming back up and finishing third. So, yeah, it was quite a, a good weekend. I think that's really when it started to um, kick off and we started to, you know, go over and, and stretch out over Australia. Well, yeah, you had a few more seasons, of course, competing in karting all across Australia. And then talk about that decision to move over to Europe and pursue a career overseas. Yeah, so um, 2014, 2015, I won the Australian Kart Championship in the category Rookies. It was like a Yamaha um, a Yamaha J Motor, that was in 2014, and then an IAMI Junior in 2015. So then 2016, I was 13, um, and we stepped up to the Elite Junior category, and I had my first race in Europe. I think it was in... That would be, sorry, I think May. No, yeah, around March, April, I went to went over to Italy and did my first international karting race, which is the World Series karting. Um, and that was, yeah, a huge learning curve um, for myself. You know, I just didn't know anything like it, um, of, of how serious and how different it was. So that was a huge wake-up call. Um, so then I came back home, um, did two more rounds of Australian Kart Championship as I was still racing predominantly in Australia, um, and that was going all quite well. So we went over and did um, a round at the European Championship. And again, I gained a lot more experience um, 
not the results we wanted. I still quite um, wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, still learning, still taking it all in. Um, and I don't think we had everything set up to where we were. We're in quite, obviously, we're in a good position. We're in the Tony Cup factory team. Um, but, you know, in I think in comparison, we didn't have it where I wanted to be seeding correctly. Um, we just kind of went over and um, was trying to get the most experience and take everything that we could in. Um, and then, yeah, I went home, went back home, and I finished up the Australian Cart Championship. Um, ended up winning that, um, which was quite good. Um, before then, heading to the World Championships in Bahrain, where I joined um, Ricky Flynn Motorsport, which is the team that I faced in 2017 overseas. So that was kind of, you know, I think the turning point to whether I was going to, to race in Europe the next year and if we were going to commit to making the step. Um, and yeah, that weekend, after making the transition to Ricky Flynn, we were really on the money. Um, I think we qualified ninth. Um, we were really consistent in the heats. Um, podiumed in all our heats, except for a couple um, where I DNF'd, I think just a little bit um, inexperienced coming back into play, some little rookie errors. But you now in the end, you know, we made the final and I was in, um, finished up in quite a good position. I was looking strong for the next year. So, yeah, then we... Um, moved over at the start of January um, into the south of France and ended up, yeah, pursuing the karting career in Europe that year. Well, yeah, look, you've already mentioned so much, so many different championships you've competed in and all this success already. You know, and how old were you at this point in time? Just give our listeners an indication because you would have only been like 14 around that period. Yeah, so I moved over um, on January the 6th of 2017, so I was still 13. Um, and then, yeah, my one of the, our fourth test day, I think it was um, in a track called I, Adria um, in eastern Italy over near Venice. Um, so, yeah, I was turned 14 um, on that first test day. So, yeah, and then that was my, um, yeah, year in karting in Europe before um, then obviously turning 15 and going to single season. That is awesome. That is awesome. 2018, this was a 2018 was a big season for you. You did a few different championships. Uh, let's talk first about the British Formula 4 championship. Uh, you were fifth in the standings. You won the Rookie Cup as well that season. You had three wins and 12 podiums. Uh, you competed on you know some iconic tracks as well. Talk about competing in the British Formula 4 championship in 2018. Yeah, it was, um, you know, it was quite a good championship. I think that the field was very competitive. We had... Um, nine drivers that um, contested for wins and did win, win races. So there was quite um, good depth in the field. Um, and, yeah, I think what made it so good was the tracks they were driving on. You know, I think most tracks nowadays, you have so much runoff. Um, you can afford to make mistakes. You can go onto the extra asphalt. Um, and there's not that much consequences where racing in Britain, you know, it's all still the old school circuits where it's just, you know, the track and then grass or the track and then the wall. So it, it really makes you find the limit a lot more before um you know while driving inside the limit so being as quick as you can without not making that mistake but yeah um the season was was quite okay you know we won the rookie cup but just in the overall standings is not where we wanted to be um had quite a few mechanical failures um while leading races which um obviously didn't didn't help my campaign as much on the third round um in the the second race i was leading and the last lap, my exhaust snapped um, just from overheating. So um, I didn't end up with any points in that race. But luckily, I went on to, to win the third race. So, 
just in the end, you know, 25 points here and there. Um, just as well in a circle called Cross on the fifth round. Well, quickest on all Friday in practice. Um, and then qualifying went out and the, the ECU had broke, so I didn't make it out for quali. Um, and then the ECU was put on incorrectly back together for the first race, so I had to retire from that as well. So I'm a track that was probably one of my strongest. I had to start race two and three from the back um, and ended coming back um, from the back to fourth and third in those two races. So in the end, you know, I just ended up losing out on other people that had um, a lot more reliability than I did. Yeah, that season as well. You also did a few other championships as well. You did some races in the uh, ADAC Formula 4 Championship and also the Italian Formula 4 Championship. And you were competing with some big big names as well. You had David Schumacher, the son of Ralph Schumacher, and also Enzo Fittipaldi. Talk about competing in those series as well. Yeah, I think the main main focus was for those series, um, you know, I think was competing on the iconic circuits um, and getting to know tracks like Monza, Hockenheim, Nürburgring, Paul Ricard, um, you know, which are not so much Nürburgring, um, but, you know, our modern-day Formula One circuits. Um, and just, you know, mixed in, coming from really no testing from the British F4 car into the ADAC and Italian F4 car, um, just mixed in trying to, you know, find our bearings and find the foundation before going into um, the 2019 season. So, no, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was racing with um, Crema. So they were obviously, a, you know, a great platform for me to be able to learn off with all their, their success and their background um, and, yeah, fame in that championship. So no, I learned a lot and it was, you know, a really good experience for me then to be able to take um, all the, the hards and the toughs from there and put it back into the British F4. Well, yeah. Well, you know, even during that 2018-19 season, you did the MRF Challenge Formula 2000 Championship. Yeah, talk about doing that before your 2019 campaign. Yeah, well, we did. Um, we didn't obviously do the whole MRF Challenge. We just um, decided to jump in for the last round to to get prepared before the, the 2019 season. So, yeah, I was at a track Chennai in India. Um, yeah, it was quite. It was my first race out of Formula Four. Um, no testing, just straight in. Um, we had one practice before qualifying. So, yeah, it was, it was quite a, a good and steep learning curve. You know, had to jump straight in and back to the car. Um, and it was ex- extraordinary conditions. It was super hot, super humid. Um, I think hottest conditions I've ever raced in. But, yeah, it was a really good experience um, to make myself, you know, just adapt quickly to the new car and, and try and drive around any problems that I had as, it was quite a, I don't know, it's a quite an iconic championship. It doesn't have the resources and, and the background that, say, the other championships have. Um, so to get in there and be able to um, get on the podiums a few times and win a race was quite good before um, going into our full season. Yeah, well, you know, you mentioned that you'd come from, you know, doing the ADAC, the British Formula 4 and the Italian Formula 4. 2019, you moved more to the Asian tracks and you competed in the Asian Formula 3 Championship. Uh, You had second in the standings in the Summer Series. You had five wins, a pole position, and you won at some iconic tracks also. Yeah, um, that was, uh, yeah, a really, a really, um, a really good championship. I really enjoyed it, definitely being able to, to race it like Suzuka, um, Sepang, Shanghai. So, no, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. It was quite a good championship. Um, but again, yeah, unfortunately, 
We're in Suzuka, which is, I think, my favorite circuit today. The first two rounds is quite close with my teammate. Um, you know, where I think we'd finished one, two in the first six races. He'd won, he'd won four races. I'd won two. Um, so the points gap was, I think, um, between us there was, um, I think there was 14 points difference going into the third round in Suzuka. Um, he was Japanese, um, Uchiha Sasahara. I think still probably one of the high, uh, you know, highest um, rated drivers that I think going around now. Um, and yeah, it was one of a circuit that he'd known quite well. So I knew going in there that I had to, you know, really prepare myself and, and study in the sim sessions and on boards as much as I can before going to the weekend. And yeah, from then on, it was just yeah, a, quite a, a perfect weekend. Um, I don't, I can't remember if we. Got a pole there. I don't think we um, ended up on pole there. I think um, a little bit of task management on my side and just not putting it all together, but we definitely had the pace. Um, and yeah, I won the first race from second. And then the second race during the safety car period, I was leading um, with at five minutes to go and the car just um, switched off. So I was getting ready to go again as the safety car lights went off. Um, so I was trying to warm the front tires. And yeah, I think it was just a complete system shutdown. Um, so I had to pull over and completely restart the car. But yeah, that was already too late. So I was out of the points. So yeah, that was 25 points gone there, um, which was the only um, the only race apart from one that I didn't finish on the podium. And then I went on to um, win the race three. So that was kind of a letdown in the championship. Um, as I, We only lost the championship by, in the end by 17 points. So you know, unfortunately, sometimes that happens. Um, it's happened quite a bit now to my date, so I'm hoping to get, start to get a little bit of luck. Um, but, yeah, it was still a, a really good experience and it helped me a lot with um, ETO's, you know, level of experience and um, competitiveness as a team. I was able to learn a lot from him um, and the high-tech team before coming into this year's, um, you know, into the 2020 season. Yeah, well, you know, you did that Asian Formula 3 championship in 2019. Then you had another championship that crossed over 2019, 2020. Second in the standings again, six wins, uh, 10 podiums with Pinnacle Motorsport. You won at Sepang and Dubai as well. And I think you had podiums at pretty much every track that you raced at. Uh, however, yeah, two punches at the final round in Thailand kind of ruined any chances there to finish on the top step of the podium. But quite an incredible season again for you. Yeah, um, yeah, this year was quite strong. Um, a few problems um, meant I wasn't able to stay with um, High Tech GP for the season. So I think, you know, with two weekends before the start of the, the season, um, we switched to Pinnacle. So it was quite late. Um, but yeah, we, you know, ended up developing really well and were able to, um, you know, combine and build with the team um, before the first round. And yeah, it was fine. It was going all um, quite well up until um, Abu Dhabi, where I was leading the second race. And unfortunately, again, I had a, a reliability issue. So I had to retire from that race. Um, and the championship leader who ended up winning it, Joey Alders, went on to win that race. So I lost a fair amount of 25 points there, um, which wasn't too, too good. Um, but then I went on to finish second in a race three. And then we had quite a, a little bit of a gap before then getting to Peng and Brewer, which were two double headers before, um, which were the last two rounds of the championship. So I made sure and I was prepared and on the money as possible before going into those two weekends. And yeah, so Peng 
um, double pole and triple win, um, which was quite extraordinary. It was my first um, triple win and double pole. So it was a great point total there um, before going to Borough and we were only 15 points behind. Um, and then, yeah, again, going into Brewerham, we're on the pace again. We double pole position again. Um, and yeah, I was leading the first race, I think, by a comfortable seven seconds. And on the last lap, going into the second turn, the rear left um, rear left tire, um, you know, blew out. So uh, that basically ruined any of my chances of of, fin- of winning the race. Um, and again, the my championship rival ended up winning that race. Um, so. That was another 25 points loss. So that was kind of, you know, I was not out of contention. I was still in contention of winning the title with the two races to go. Um, but it was going to be, you know, I had to have a fair amount of luck on my side. And then going into the second race again, I started from pole. Um, and, yeah, I was quite comfortable leading that race as well. But with, again, two laps to go from the end, um, my left rear, again, had a, had a puncture and... I had to retire that race, so, and that meant that um, my rival Joey Alders ended up winning the championship. So, yeah, quite unfortunate into that that series. And then I went on to win race three, so it would have been six race wins in a row um, in all pole positions for the last two rounds, which would have been a great ending. Um, and if we ended on ended up on top of that championship, so yeah, it was a a manufacture the tire manufacturer problem. Um, we weren't the only ones suffering. There was quite a few problems in practices, but unfortunately, we were the only ones that, that suffered in suffered in the races. So, as they they are a Chinese tire manufacturer, so it was kind of in the middle of the the coronavirus crisis. Yeah. So I don't know if that had anything to um to relate to it yeah. with them being able to export tires out. But yeah, there was a, a clear problem as they after race one they reduced the reduced the race distance. For 25 minutes, um, but still with that, yeah, the um, the tie blew out in race two. Yeah, well, 2020 is already going to be a huge season for you. Uh, of course, with those, this whole Corona crisis, uh, you haven't been able to do that much. However, you have been doing some. You did some events in the Supercars E series. Talk about what that was like, and then talk about this brand new drive for 2020, driving in the Formula Three Championship. Yeah, um, you know the E series. It's quite cool, and it's fairly different to obviously the real thing um but i've never been because i'm living in europe throughout the the, um, the season um so this has been the most i've been home i think for four years um and over there i don't have a sim at home as the apartment is quite small so there's not really the room to be able to, to fit that amount of space in so yeah i think this um all the the equipment back here is um is around seven years old so i think i would probably need a an update to be doing anything serious like any of the other guys but you know it was still really fun and it was a, a really cool experience to be able to get in and and race um in the supercar e series around spa which is a circuit i know quite well um and it's also one of my favorite circuits on the calendar but yeah um it didn't obviously end how i wanted it to obviously i want to be winning um but, you know it was really quite fun um had a, a few good battles i wasn't really on the pace but I was still, I was kind of in the mid-pack and just really being able to enjoy it um, and take away a little bit of the serious side of things. And yeah, you're going to be competing in the Formula Formula 3 Championship this season. You've got uh, Jake Hughes and Enzo Fittipaldi as your teammates. Talk about how these deals come together and what are the goals for this season? Yeah, well, um, you know, as you said, Jake Hughes and Enzo, they're um, quite um, you know, experienced and 
and successful drivers. Um, Jake, you know, he's been in the around in the F3 categories um, for quite some time now. He's a you know, multiple GP3 and FIA S3 race winner, so he's got um, plenty of experience um, underneath him. And I also raced him um, in the F3 Asian Championship at the start of this year. Um, so now we have a really good driver lineup. So I think it's just going to be able to, you know, extracting the most out of them, um, and you know, just being a sponge and be able to to take what I can from from both of them and put it into use um, to hopefully be able to go forward and and win this championship this year. So yeah, that's the the main goal. I don't really want to be, um, you know, spending any more time necessary than I than I want to be. Um, as I'm 17 now, I will be going on 18 next year. So hopefully. Um, you know, we can put it all together um, and take everything in the foundation that I've gotten from the past two years and, you know, put it to stick and make this year ours. Awesome stuff there, Jack. You've already done so much in your career and I'm sure there's plenty of success yet to come. All the very best of luck when we do get motor racing again going in the Formula 3 Championship and hopefully we get a few wins and, and hopefully a championship win at the end of the season. Yeah, thank you very much, Um It'll be, it'll be great if that can all go ahead. So, but yeah, thank you very much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. There we are, Jack Doohan. Thank you very much for joining us on the podium. No, yeah, thank you very much. Hopefully speak to you again soon. Bye. There we are, Jack Doohan, talking about his career and what he's already done in his career so far. And, of course, we wish him the very best of luck this season for the FIA Formula 3 Championship. And hopefully we do get the same in Formula One at some point because that would be just an awesome story for Australian motorsport fans. Right after this, though, it's time for the podium of the week. This is the podium where we celebrate the best in the world of motorsport. And right now, it's time for the podium of the week. Yes, this is the podium of the week. Uh, for anyone new to this, welcome. What we do on the podium of the week is we celebrate three performances from the motorsport world and we do it in a 3-2-1 format so it can be uh, teams and drivers. So let's get into position number three. Position number three on the podium of the week, we're going to give it to one of the guys that was really struggling to, to come to grips with the uh, Supercars Virtual Series and right now he's been doing pretty good. Uh, he's won a race and the past few rounds, he's really stepped up his performances. It is, of course, Jamie Winkup. And Jamie put in some awesome performances on the American Speedway circuits the other evening. And he's really showing that he's starting to learn how to drive this virtual car. So it's awesome stuff to see Jamie doing an awesome job in the Supercars E-Series. Position number two, we're going to give it to another driver that has really improved his performances over the past few weeks in the Supercars E-Series. It is, of course, David Reynolds. Uh, David, of course, he didn't end up doing one of the races this season at Bathurst. Uh, he initially wasn't a big fan of the virtual competition. However, the past few weeks, he's worked really hard and the results have shown. He's really stepped up his performances and he's put in a lot of solid race result finishes. So David Reynolds gets position number two on the podium of the week and position number one on the podium of the week. Position number one of the podium of the week, we have to give it to this guy because he has just blitzed the field this season. He won all three races in the most recent round of the championship. He's, of course, Shane Van Gisbergen, and what a performance he's put in. He's taken the lead of the championship now, and many would say he's the favourite now to win the whole championship. So Shane Van Gisbergen takes position number one on the podium of the week. 
And that's about it for this edition of The Podium. A special thanks to our guests for joining us, Garth Tander and Jack Doohan. You can head over to our podcasting platforms on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and you can catch up on any interviews there from previous editions of the show. Uh, That's about it for this edition of the show. A special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. Catch you next time on The Podium.